With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Emerging Ease, where we will focus on unraveling the difficulties in the midst of our journey and move toward forward progress. This program is not meant to replace any form of therapy and you are encouraged to seek out a mental health professional if necessary. Hello everyone and welcome to Emerging Ease. I'm your host Keisha and you're tuning in to the Bachelor News Radio Network. I want you to feel free to call 646-929-0130 or send questions to the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA-Bachelor. You can also listen live to uh, Bachelor News um, forward slash Airtime Pro. If you have any questions, you can send them to um, either emergingease at gmail.com as well if you have any during the week. And I encourage you to go on Facebook, join the Emerging Ease Facebook group where we talk about all kinds of things. Uh, today I have a special guest. Uh, I have Danielle Walker. Uh, she's going to be speaking today about our topic, sex, the taboo topic that is felt on many levels. Um, just to give you some background about her, um, she is a recovering <laughs> national corporate fundraiser and a current uh, mental health professional with a thriving boutique private practice. Um, she is also um, certified in diversity, equality, and inclusion, excuse me, inclusion, I think I said inclusion, as well as a sex offender treatment provider, and she does sex therapy. Um, I don't know. Okay. Um, as far as with today, the reason I really wanted to bring her on, oh, and she has married, her and her husband are awesome. I love to see uh, their relationship. I haven't got to meet her husband yet, but they have an awesome relationship uh, that I've seen through photos and through just the way she talks about how awesome he is. Um, I met Danielle, of all places, I was going to support a friend of a friend who was doing a candy-coated night um, presentation. And in that presentation, I was literally just there as a supporter, you know. And the Danielle brought in so much information about the sexual organs and the anatomy of women and why these things were uh, being felt when you use certain things and how you use it. I think during that time, Danielle, you even, like, brought out a picture and showed us, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I even got a whole anatomy lesson at the show. It was so awesome. And I was, like, amazed because I had never in my life uh, met anyone uh, African-American female, period, 
that ever talked about sex as in such a healthy, open way. So Danielle, I call her uh, my black unicorn because I, she is a rarity and she's awesome. I love her. Uh, welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Yes, yes, yes. Um, thank you for coming. Um, the the reason I brought this topic up when I did is because there are so many of us that have so many questions, but we really don't have an outlet to ask the questions that we have. And sometimes, depending on your connection with friends or family, even your doctor, you may feel uh, kind of nervous or insecure about asking those. So I wanted to kind of start um, breaking into the topic of how sex impacts us, as well as um, talk about why it's such a challenge to discuss uh, sex and how sex can impact um, self-care. So if we can, uh, Danielle, go ahead and let's start talking about um, how sex can impact our thinking and emotions. And just to give a, 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 a guideline for those listening, we're not talking about sex with random people that you just meet in Walmart, Tinder, Twitter, all of that. We're talking about people that you have established a relationship with and that you are in a healthy relationship with. So we'll talk about sex from the perspective of healthy couples as well as healthy individuals, because Danielle knows it all. I'm just telling y'all. She knows it all. Okay, so Danielle, I hand it over to you. As far as for a couple, how does sex, healthy sex, impact um, thinking and emotions? And if you would, go ahead and explain what healthy sex would be considered. And then also from the perspective of an individual, what would healthy sex be considered and how would that impact their thinking and emotions? Okay, well, I first want to challenge us when we talk about healthy sex. We want to talk about the fact that sex is a part of a holistic person. Um, and I think that um, part of what people think about when they think about sex and sexuality is just the act of intercourse and also just genitals. Um, one of the things that when we look at self from sex from a healthy perspective, we want to look at how are we in our brain? How are we in relationships? What do we think about ourselves? What have we learned um, from society, from our homes, from um, some of our religious institutions, all of those things? Um, sex definitely uh, is a healthy and, and wonderful thing. We deserve pleasure. We deserve um, being healthy sexual beings, and we are healthy sexual beings from the time we are in the womb. So while there is a growth process that happens with our sexuality, being a sexual being happens at conception. Um, and when we look at coming together in partnerships, and that can be a range of different things, um, we want to look at how we can incorporate it into our 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 own self-care and maintain it in a healthy way. So some of the things when you think about having uh, healthy sex, you have to look at nutrition. You have to look at managing your stress. Um, we even talked in that same group in, in, that uh, Keisha is talking about, about prayer, um, about meditation, 
their exercise, looking at what you intake, um, and how do I dress sexy myself? And we're not talking about being provocative uh, necessarily. Um, there may be some fantasy play that goes into it, but I think that we have been packaged and sold narratives that sometimes uh, put us in those places where it's taboo, uh, where it's something that we don't communicate well with others on, where we are intimidated to ask the questions that you're saying of our doctors, of our gynecologists, um, of, of our just across the board. So when we bring out as sexual um, um, clinicians, we bring pictures in, I have models I bring in, because we want people to be empowered, we want communication to be open, we want people to own their own actions, own their own health, and um, to, to own their own pleasure at the end of the day. Yes, and I appreciate the fact that when you were explaining um, the impact, you you brought it from just that one basic level of physical intercourse to such a holistic side. I, I love that because it uh, you have to think about the way you think about sex, even um, think about how you are sexual from, like you said, from birth till, to really death. And I don't think Absolutely. that oftentimes we, we give ourselves that the broadness of it to see that um, it's a part of life, and it's a part of life that is uh, that that we're involved in, uh, either intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, or I can't say unintentionally, knowingly or unknowingly. I'll say it like that um, throughout our life cycle, and the need to to have such a focus on it that it is empowering. Just I, I love that because. It's, it's another form of, uh, of self-care. And as I was speaking earlier on uh, L.A. show, uh, this is, sex, uh, I was going to say Sexual Awareness Month. No, <laughs> Self-Care Awareness Month. And we need to be very mindful of the different levels of self-care that we need to take and to allow ourselves to get to um, a better understanding of what sex means to us uh, what sex, how it impacts us, how it impacts those that we're interacting with, everything. So I, I love the way you put that. And I'm glad you brought up fantasy because I do want to talk about that um, as we move along, uh, bringing up fantasy because so often uh, people look at fantasy as just, you know, I have them, but I'm not going to tell anybody about them or I'm not going to do anything to act them out. Now, we're talking about um, fantasies that are not hurting you or other people. So not the, not the, the, uh, the negative fantasies, but the healthy uh, sexual fantasies and focuses. And I'm glad um, when, when you say that you talk to the couples that you work with or, and even the individuals, because I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, well, this is not for me, it's for everybody. Uh, and you're talking to them about their fantasies and about empowering themselves in their um, understanding of sex and what sex means to them. What does that look like? What kind of things would you encourage someone to start thinking about or reading about or even doing? Well, I'm glad you brought up reading. 
I think it's really important to um, look at, and, and when I work with couples, I often work with their clinicians as well. I work with couples, individuals, as you said, but we want to look at how we can change some of the, the narratives that we've been told throughout our lives. Um, we want to change how we think about ourselves, being, um, what it means. Um, and, a, and a lot of the plurality of our, our identity, what it means to be women or men or parents, friends, relatives, professionals, and how that plays into ourselves holistically, including in the sexual realm. So um, I encourage people to maybe um, define, sometimes redefine the narrative that they are saying to themselves and how they view their sexual selves. Um, nobody has just uh, this wonderful, glowing um, sexual experiences. It is a learning process as far as um, anything is. But we can learn how to have great sex, and, and as you said before, whether we be partnered or individually, um, I think that we have to be intentional about that empowerment of our sexual self. So I help people to get into the mode where we can um, – look at that, we can define it, we can begin to change some of our ways of thinking. Um, when you said, what about communication, when we're talking about fantasies, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's what we encourage. Um, but we have to get there in our own brain, our own self first, and then uh, maybe it's easier then to share it uh, with our partners. Um, and you would be surprised at, at what people may be open to. Uh, professionals such as myself help couples come together and make the conversations a little bit more natural, um, easier. Uh, I want people to, to have this, uh, this wonderfully passionate um, coupling because we do know that sex and sexuality has neurotransmission, it has brain chemistry, it has physical chemistry that brings couples together, that brings uh, better nights of sleep, that brings down blood pressure, that um, there, there's so many different actual scientific benefits that come from having a, a healthy and um, passionate, as we said before, decadent sex life. Yes, and that's, that is helpful for everybody, especially with uh, stress management. And um, it's the... I cannot recall um, the specific name of it, but it's the hormones that happen when you are in a healthy sexual connection that brings you closer to that person. And it's been shown um, in scientific study that it also increases the ability and want to trust and uh, further connect with that person. So develop intimacy even further, not sexual contact, but the intimate connection of, um, trusting that person, um, sharing with that person that um, that you are engaged with. So th I, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. Now, I do want you to to give us some info about um, the narrative because I, I want us to talk about that before we go into uh, where you brought up the learning process. What's the narrative when you're talking about of what it's like to – um, be a male, what it is to be a female, but then also look at the narrative from sexual um, from sexual preference. Uh, before we hit on that, I do we do have a question in the chat um, that I would ask you to uh, address. 
how detrimental is the lack of sex in a marriage or a relationship? Um, and can uh, lack of sex lead to divorce or separation? Well, you know, definitely is instrumental um, in relationship. Not not just looking from if we're talking about male female coupling and sex from a reproductive standpoint, but we we touched a little bit on how there's literal brain chemistry that happens that bonds a couple. But um, other benefits that happen um, as far as in marriage, uh, let's just say for, for a woman, it lowers their, their blood pressure. Um, it, it causes a better immune system, um, better heart health, improved self-esteem. Um, and, and once we have sex, it increases our libido. So once you have sex, you want more sex. And exercise. Um, there's a number of calories that can be burned just in a 30-minute um, interaction. So specifically, uh, to answer that question, how detrimental is it? Um, you know, when we look at uh, a scientific standpoint, um, some people, uh, a recent uh, report came out said that sex actually on a quote-unquote happiness scale when we look at, at couples. It makes them feel happy for a longer time. Um, and it can help you in, in many areas of relationship because it increases intimacy and closeness to that sexual partner. And we talked a little bit about this, the stress reduction, which we know is important in relationship and overall health. Um, so that can help us both physically and psychologically as well as emotionally. Um, I that, uh, that should answer the question about how there's an extreme benefit to our health and overall wellness, including our marital relationships with sex. Right. Right. And also um, with sex, I've uh, come across couples where that has been an issue uh, where Mm -hmm. one person is saying, if you don't do this and I'm going to hold back sex from you or until you get this done, you know, I'll ration out or, you know, do just a little bit. I won't do the things that I know are pleasing to you. I'll just do just a little Mm -hmm. bit because I don't feel like you're giving to me. So even using sex as as a tool for control um, in a relationship, that can be hurtful, very hurtful. Definitely, definitely. So hopefully with talking about sex and then, too, uh, looking at talking about sex and sexual expectations prior to beginning a long-term relationship or entering a marriage, what what does that look like, or what could it look like to be to start off in a more positive light for a couple or a person that's anticipating starting a relationship? Well, when you we're talking about starting a relationship, a lot of times in the beginning of a relationship. Yeah, sex might be um, something that isn't even on the table as far as being problematic. Um, Because of the cycle of relationship, initially, there's a lot of attraction. There's a lot of excitement around sex, and that is done by design. Um, As we know, some of us who have been in relationship a little bit longer, we then have to be sometimes more intentional and not use things such as, problems outside of the bedroom and bring them into the bedroom. Uh, We want to set up a a place where um, our 
bathroom in our sexual spaces are sacred. They're places of, of pleasure, places of um, where we engage all of our senses, and we talk about that a lot. Uh, we want to we want to engage taste and smell and vision and um, hearing and all of the different things so that we can have have times that that are connective that are positive experiences and some of the negative things that we were just talking about and some of the challenges we find in couples we may need to look at past traumas um, we need to look at physical situations is sex painful. Um, you know, there, there's things that can be overcome, but there are many, many professionals out there, including myself, that want to help couples to overcome these things and to have the potential of a life. Um, I can tell you that if you work towards it, I've seen it over and over again in a decade and a half that I've worked with many, many couples, um, that you can get there. That, that, yes, you can get there. It's going to take the work, but... The focus. Before we go any further, I do want to mention that the featured uh, album artist uh, on the featured album Friday for this Friday from 5 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time is Will Downing. And, yeah, Will Downing will help you get your whole life together. That will help you set a good mood <laughs> for your sexual encounters for the weekend. Also, uh, so make sure you listen to that on Friday. Also, uh, there is Whisper Softly every Sunday through Friday from 8 p.m. to midnight at the same place, which is uh, Bachelor News Radio. And um, I encourage you to uh, tune in. The, the The music is awesome. And Will Downing, I got to see him in concert this past weekend, is amazing. Amazing. So now let's get back to the topic at hand. I am so glad that we are talking about sex from different um, different processes um, as far as the way it impacts us. I'm glad you brought up the caloric burn because I forgot about that. So if you're like me and you're trying to get in some type of shape other than round, there you go. Try some different uh, situations and uh, as far as positioning and, and go for it. Tone muscles. Burn, uh, break a sweat, burn fat cells. Let's keep it going. Um, I do want to touch on the narrative part. That's what I uh, brought up before I asked you to discuss the most recent uh, concern about or portion about sex. Um, with the narrative, what have you seen as a person that deals with individuals and couples of maybe struggles that men face? some struggles that women face, even struggles that uh, same-sex couples uh, face. What, what, what has been your experience with that? Well, I think um, a couple of things come right to the top of mind. Um, a lot of clients that are men, uh, I think the in, um, the most common question I get in, in my office and online is, how can I have more sex? Um, and also um, pro on the problematic side of things is, am I pleasing my partner? What can I do to increase pleasure? What can I do to um, increase adventure in the bedroom? Um, from the woman's standpoint, I think that uh, there's a lot of fatigue 
that is happening. I mean, we're in a very stressful time. And so um, how can I get more help so that I have more energy in the bedroom? Um, a lot of concerns on the physical side, whether sex be painful or a lot of things that happen in childbirth. Um, as we have natural cycles leaning towards menopause and um, those sorts of things on, on the women's side of things. Um, so those are some of the big ones. In populations of people of color, we can find a lot of um, but I, I, things that we're told in religious and spiritual situations, uh, you know, uh, whether good girls do certain acts or um, what's permissible and still moral. Uh, when we talk about the narratives that we think about, why uh, do we have so much belief around if I enjoy a pleasurable sex life, it says something about my morality or my integrity, or does this make me look like it or feel like a slut? Um, does it bring down my value in other areas of, of my holistic self? So those are a lot of topics that we broach. Okay. Um, we have a question before we go to talk about um, uh, same-sex couples. Um, Barbara said her husband cheated on her, but she wants to make it work. How does renewed sex help, uh, or how can renewed sex help their relationship, if at all? Well, I think that renewed sex and renewed sexuality can help a relationship. Even when infidelity happens, There, there is still a choice whether or not to bring a relationship back together or not. Um, I think that's a personal decision, and it's taken couple by couple. But um, sometimes understanding um, what, what led to uh, those behaviors. And isn't that what therapy and sexual therapy is all about, understanding how our mindset and views of ourselves and our environment around us turn into how thoughts become actions and how the actions e either bring a couple together or cause a, a rift and a crack in relationship. So, yes, um, to be to be fully honest, it, it can help in a relationship, but there's some repair that may need to happen with trust. We want to make sure that both parties are healthy as Right. looking at um, sexually transmitted infections and diseases, um, expectations and renegotiating expectations as far as uh, whether or not there will be other partners or um, if this will be a committed monogamous relationship. So there's lots of communication that can happen, but as you have more open dialogue that is clearer and more unafraid, that benefits and puts a couple back together in a way that is stronger and um, and more open. Right, right. And if I may, um, also with people that have gone outside of their committed relationship, in addition to the things you were just saying, they would need to look at what their beliefs are, each each of them, the either the person that cheated or the person that was cheated on, what are your beliefs about um, extramarital or extra relationship affairs? Um, what what was it that you were seeking in that connection with that other person? Um, how long did it go on? There is 
like Danielle said, so many layers that are not just sexual um, that have to be processed in in the couples counseling. So, Barbara, uh, to even look at that, if you're looking to make it work, I encourage you, and I'm sure uh, Danielle would too, seek therapy for the the whole relationship because it's going to be um, not just the physical, but what was the spiritual part there? What are the beliefs that were there? What was that person actually looking for? What were they trying to get out of that um, that extramarital relationship? Um, if you would uh, touch on any concerns that you've seen or come across with uh, same-sex couples. I'm glad we were broaching that topic as well because a lot of the concerns that come up with same-sex couples are much of the same concerns that come with heterosexual couples. Um, and, and I think that with some people that's rather surprising. But when I spoke about some of the things that came up, um, whether it be frequency of sex, uh, adventure in the bedroom, um, even, like we said, infidelity, um, having sexual confidence and communication and miscommunication, having an embarrassment about having open dialogue, shame, being um, the topic, stress. Um, and are the same across the board. People want to be validated. They want to be nurtured. They want to be celebrated in all ways, um, but in a sexual way, uh, in a partnership, whether that is same-sex partners, um, multiple partners, if, if that's what people choose to do and in a safe way, or in committed relationships. Thank you, thank you. Um, I want to tell uh, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on Emerging Eve and talking to us today. I want to bring you back very soon because we have so many other questions as well as other um, aspects to discuss about sexuality and sex itself. So um, I want to thank you all today for tuning in. I hope today's discussion has been and will continue to be helpful for you and your life's journey. You've been listening to Emerging Ease with Keisha and special guest Danielle on the Bachelor uh, New Radio News Network. Tune in the You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you for taking such a time as this to participate in your personal improvement with Emerging Ease. I'm Keisha, your host. Remember that in everything, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. If you are experiencing a difficult time, please reach out to the National Crisis Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. And I look forward to hearing from you next week on Emerging Ease with Keisha.
Devin, uh, I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be back on. Absolutely. So I, I wanted to get you back on, do a part two of uh, many parts uh, to talk about the rich heritage classic that you have on, as I mentioned, um, to the start of this uh, broadcast, your former Hampton um, so you know about the um, you know about the HBCUs, the trials and the tribulations. You actually played uh, at the NBA and other levels. So, so talk about what the character class means and and how it got its uh, origin. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. Um, well, the the uh, the Rich Heritage Classic, man, is is once again. It's, it's all about bringing um, elite-level high school athletes um, to a platform and, and to allow them to experience an HBCU-type uh, atmosphere earlier. Um, you know, my, my vision with the whole thing is just to begin uh, with the, um, you know, with athletes and, and, let, and allow them to, um, to be a part of this, you know, what we know as a, as such a wonderful experience, a lot of them they don't get to experience it too early, early on in their career. So, uh, you know, I just want to put on something, um, an elite level event, where they can really enjoy themselves. We can really celebrate them, and we can really celebrate HBCUs when it's all said and done. You know, one of the things that um, people don't understand is having the HBC, and I'm, I'm getting some noise in your background, but having the HBCU experience where it's not just being on campus, uh, having that coach, having that professor say, hey, he's going to get an education, she's going to get an education, but also just the, the culture of it, the bands. We saw uh, this past week with ESPN and, you know, the criticism, people being critical of the fact that they didn't show, you know, the bands between FAMU and Jackson State, of course, um, Deion Sanders, Jackson, uh, Jackson State, and, and Florida A&M. So part of that is the part of that is the part of that is the experience. Can you can you talk? Can you speak to that? That the understanding <coughs> that you know, mainstream and other people who don't understand the culture of HBCU, why you go there, and what it um, details? Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, it, 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 when I talk to the young, when, it, when I talk to the young athletes or whatever, you know, I just try to explain to them, to get them to understand, you know, their value as players and, and get them to understand that, you know, we all go to school for like different reasons, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I just don't want them to be a plug and play type of player. You know what I mean? When they come in, um, you know, the, the the one thing that I understood and the one thing that I loved about going to an HBCU was the fact that, you know, the people actually cared about us being successful on and off the court. And, um, you know, that's one thing that, um, that, that I think, HBCUs bring to the table. Um, we, you know, it's 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 our culture, it's, it's our families, it's our mothers, our aunties. You know what I mean? So, you know, ultimately they want to see us be successful and go on and and 
and be, you know, great citizens in the world. You know, and and I don't think people, though, understand, like you said, uh, Devin, you played at Hampton, and, you know, I you and I had a conversation about the, the Lady Pirates and how uh, the band and cheerleaders put on a show at Duke in the playoffs and, and, mm-hmm. and just see people in the stands uh, get involved with Hampton on the road uh, speaks volumes mm-hmm. to the type of... Um, a program and the, and the culture again. It's a culture thing, and right. you know I, I think Devin uh, and I'm going to get into McDonald's All Americans uh, as opposed to what you're trying to do uh, in the culture. But it is a culture thing. I think I don't think and, and you know I come from HBCU nothing. So mm-hmm. when you look at the culture of the experience, it's not just going to A&T and getting an engineering program uh, a degree or going to Hampton and getting a great degree or Norfolk State or wherever you're going to go, but it's also the experience and, and those who come from different walks of life that don't understand um, not only the history of why we have to have this historically black college and university, but what goes into it. Can you, it kind of uh, talk about your time on campus and, and that that type of situation. Well, actually, the funny thing is, man, being in Ohio, um, the HBCUs, they don't get a lot of publicity. You know what I mean? Right. And um, it, it wasn't until I actually got to go experience the HBCU um, at Hampton when I took my visit at Hampton is when it, when I realized that, you know, it's, it's nothing different than going to, to our high schools, you know what I mean, that, that are in our neighborhoods. Um, you know, it was, it was the same vibe. And, you know, the only thing that I could say that's a, a little different than going from the HBCU is, you know, the, the mentality of the students, you know what I mean? You're around like-minded students. I mean, at the end of the day, these are, these are going to be our future doctors, lawyers, engineers, and politicians, you know what I mean? Um, so I would say, you know, the, the the mentality of the person that is going to an HBCU is a little different than going to, you know, your normal all-black school in, 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 in our neighborhoods, you know what I mean, where, you know, we have a lot of crime and violence and stuff like that. But, I mean, in the, when we're at school, you know, I think it's, it's the same type of environment. People love the bands, you know, it's the same type of excitement when it comes to, uh, you know, to sports and, you know, that's just a cultural thing. Right. And I, I, I'm i sure you're, you, you're um, not saying all um, neighborhoods, black neighborhoods have, you know, violence in schools and, and you know, so no, they get not to at all. Right. Um, I, and so I just want to. I was speaking yeah. speak on my, my experience specifically. Right. And, and you know, and yeah. the, the, the irony of it is you got Central State there. You know, you got. You know, you got that that opportunity. You could have went there, but you went somewhere else. But but Devin, you know, again, knowing your story, we're talking Devin uh, Green, of course, uh, former NBA player, former Hampton player, here on the Bastion News Radio Show. Knowing your story, knowing the adversity that you went through, in particular when you, your coach that you you came to the school with, being a pirate, left, that you had a dilemma. 
Do I? I'm I'm talented enough to go to a PWI. For people don't know what that mm-hmm. is. A, you know, a predominantly white institution, or stay at this HBCU. Talk about that because there are a lot of uh, players before and more specifically after you that go through that kind of, you know, dilemma. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I? And and the weight of the world that some kids feel on their shoulders to stay at the HBCU where they can either leave or even before they go to HBCU, go to a PWI. I'm sorry, could you, you, you broke up a little bit on that last part. Can so you, uh, can, um, Could you repeat the, the, the last thing? Sure, just the weight of the world of uh, what you went through where, you know, your coach left and you could have left because you were talented to leave, but you decided to stay. Mm-hmm. The weight of the world of those situations, but even also deciding, do I want to go to an HBCU at Hampton or do I want to go to VCU? Or, you know, if I'm at Central State, do I want to go there? Or do I want to go to Ohio State because I can play at that level? Talk about those dilemmas and stress that goes into it for talented kids like you were, other talented kids that may have to go through it. Um, Well, I mean, ultimately, I would say, you know, just going back to what I was talking about as far as, like, when I visited Hampton, um, it just felt like home for me. And I think ultimately for, you know, kids that are are choosing university is, you know, you want to be in a space where you feel like it's going to make you the most successful. You know what I'm saying? Um, The coaching staff was always, you know, they were great um, with me and my family. Um, you know, as soon as I got on campus, I immediately connected with, um, you know, the students and, uh, you know, I love the, the arena, but I would say, um, you know, just coming from where I came from, uh, none of the, I guess none of the glitz and the glamour really, it didn't really excite me that much. Um, I was more so concerned with, uh, you know, just being in a best place where, you know, I would get developed um, or I would, I would receive the most development as a, as a player and a person. And, um, you know, a lot of times there's so many other external things that go into um, our players choosing the best fit for them. Um, you know, that it, you know, it's, it's, it's parents, it's, facilities sometimes you know we all know you know players get a little money too um <laughs> so you know players, players get to the bag a little bit and uh you know ultimately um you know it makes it extremely hard for them to make a, a, a authentic decision uh for me and my support system you know the one thing that, that i always talk about is my godfather always told me was you know if you're talented enough then it's the scholars jobs to, to find you. Um, and I really, I believe that wholeheartedly, you know what I mean? So that's what I was saying when it came to facilities and stuff like that. Um, I was one of those players where, you know, I, I was, I was a sleeper. Um, it took me a long time. Well, I wouldn't say a long time, but it took me, um, you know, some time to, to catch up with my body and, and all that different type of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I always had that underdog type of spirit. So, um, you know, going to a smaller school, uh, it never deterred me from uh, from the actual experience. 
Yeah, and experience is the, the, the key word in uh, all of that. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Devin Green, former Hampton NBA a player here on Bassett News Radio a show. So, um, Devin, we'll get into the Rich Heritage uh, a Classic, but um, more specifically, I, I know you're involved with these kids, and I know you're going to be even more involved uh, with these kids in terms of um, making or they, you can help them go down the right path to do and and how they do it at the highest level. So what what do you say to to these kids that see you know ninety percent of you know slam dunks and the three pointers and all that stuff on ESPN mm-hmm. and it's on PWIs you know and they make that decision. What do you say to them? To draw them back to the HBCUs. Ultimately, I would say, you know, we're we're, we're working, we're working at, at, at rebuilding the infrastructure, um, and you know, some kids, not all kids, but some kids, you know, they have the same spirit that I have, uh, where they want to add value to the space. You know what I mean? Um, so. So with that being said, man, I, I would just want the kids to know that we're working to, to, to fix it um, and just to have, you know, just to have a little bit of faith, the parents to have a little bit of faith and, you know, for the parents and the support system to understand that, you know, like I was talking about earlier that, um, you know, we have their best interests at heart as people. Um, when it's all said and done, you know, if you catch an injury or let's just say you don't make it to the league, um, or make it to the next level, you can always come back to an HBCU. You always gonna have, um, you know, that that network that that really cares about who you are as a person, that really feeds who you are as a person. But Devin, I, I guess just to, to to follow up on that response, and it's it's, it's what you said makes a lot of sense, is that mm-hmm. you'll have some parents that. A, never went to an HBCU, so they don't know much about it. Or B, went mm-hmm. to one and soured on an HBCU, so they send their kids to the PWI. I talked about this before with you the last interview, where I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. You got Central mm-hmm. right here, and I see more Duke jerseys and everything else anything else. And their, par- and their, parents, are, and their parents are endorsing these types of things. So how do you... Overcome that type of thing. Man, having these type of conversations <laughs> where we, you know, where we continue to build awareness um, and, and continue to rebuild the infrastructure, man. I, I keep saying that, uh, you know, we have to find our creatives. We have to put more effort into um, the, the, th- the the things that we do that represent. HBCUs in, in general and represent our people in general. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just taking a little more time and a little more effort to understand the importance of quality and value. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, it's a full circle. You know, if we put if we put quality and value into, you know, building our facilities, if we put quality and value into you know, little things like, um, you know, our jerseys and, you know, these, these are things that the kids care about, you know what I mean? And I, honestly, these are things that 
the parents, the the fans are going to care about. You know what I mean? That's why you have so many um, TWIs that sell so many jerseys. Obviously, they have, you know, Nike backing them, but what people don't understand is if we get the athletes and we're spending money, then, you know, the, the you know, the, the companies like Nike will, will come. You just saw LeBron, um, I think this past, maybe this past year or so, he signed a six-year deal with um, with SAMU. You know what I mean? SAMU has, has a, a very um, engaging alumni, a very engaging, um, you know, student body. So, you know, obviously for him it was a major business, business deal, but at the same time, um, you know, those people care about the stuff that they buy. You know what I mean? And I can only imagine how – how much prouder they're gonna they're gonna be, how much more prideful they're gonna be when they have something of quality. So it, I guess my my question to you is it um with the with the rich heritage classic and I'm speaking mm-hmm. for me I'm speaking for me, Devin, so and, and Pad Nation listening out here, I'm speaking for me, is that you are a black man who had a road to success did, didn't go where you wanted to completely go, but you made it to the NBA. You played another right. league, so you can speak to the the adversity and all of that, right? So you're a black man. Mm-hmm. How are you trying to give back? Not only to TCUs, and and you can talk about why you're doing it for facilities and upgrading and stuff, but certainly these high school kids, whether they're AAU or just high school kids that want to play at the next level, that not everybody, less than 2%, are going to make it to the NBA, as you know, and and, and even less, um, that they want to play, but they have no direction. And when they do have a direction, this is me speaking, it's some dude that don't look like us. It's Phil Knight, it's Nike, it's McDonald's, and it's all that, and they're making a crap load of money, and they don't give a damn about these kids. So... Right. How do you again take your your belief, your vision, your concept of this classic, what you're trying to do in this game for these kids, and convince them, just like you need to convince them to go to Hampton instead of, you know, uh, Virginia, uh, to, to to get them on this playing field and understand that a this is for you and b your product, like you just alluded. So your product is not inferior to McDonald's All-American mm-hmm. game or anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for me, you know, I have to focus on, once again, it's, it's quality, man. I have to focus on putting a an extremely high-level basketball event on. Um, now, the, the things that we have that are part of the classic, um, you know, we're going to have in partner with a mentorship program um, for for the for the men and the and the women. You know what I mean? We're going to have panels and bringing in, you know, industry leaders from from the sports industry to talk about other, you know, other avenues that they can go down just in case they don't make it. I'm not one. Uh, I'm a dreamer. So, you know, I would never sit here and tell you, you know, you're not going to make it. But at the same time, I would tell you, you know, let's just look at, let's look at the, the, the sport of business. You know what I mean? 
let's look at it as a whole so we can so we can ultimately um capitalize on the business of sports. You know what I mean? In its totality. Right. So uh to be able to have those type of people in those type of um those type of to go along with uh with the actual with the actual event, you know, I think that'll go a long, that'll go a long way with the kids because they'll have something to actually take away other than just a basketball event. And then the other thing with us is, you know, we're going to continue to check on them. I want to build a, a family type environment, a community type environment for the kids, you know, to be able to pull on other athletes, to be able to pull on other people within the, within the network and the HBCU network to help them ultimately be, as successful as they can. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Devin Green. He's a former Hampton star NBA player uh, here on the Bastion News Radio Show, the Bastion News Radio Network, WCLM in Chapel Hill, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, uh, and WCLM in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Devin, I asked you this question. I always ask this because I, I guess I was born in the wrong era. I, I, I got some years on you. I'm 51. And you and I talked off, off and on the air about your vision. The fact that this is not just one thing. Um, this is, like you said, a continuing thing. This is an educational thing, a process for these kids. Um, this is uh, to to build and promote HBCUs and to follow up these kids to make sure, like you said, the vision is it's certainly you want to dream big. You want to play and be in the NBA and be in the NBA Finals, win championships, stuff like that, and it doesn't happen. But you preparing these kids, right, and their parents for that. So um, have you had any pushback from older folks or people that look like us that are connected that sit at the table with some of these other people like McDonald's and everybody and want to push back on what you're trying to do. Cause look, I, I, you know, old people and you know, my age and older, y'all need to sit your ass down and let these young people like Devin and everybody. And I'm just, I'm going to keep it real, Devin. You know, I do. So I'm going to just yeah. sit down and if you're not going to be part of the process and be positive, you need to sit down, shut up, let them do it. People are going to make mistakes. We were all young. We make mistakes, and you keep it moving. So with that being said, have you had any of those issues? And if so, how do you push forward past that? Um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, as a visionary, we're always going to do. Uh, you have to learn to work through the nose. You have to learn, you have to, learn to to work through the the adversity. Um, yeah, it's going to be some kickback. You know, some people, you know, they'll sit there and tell you, um, you know, well, this is not, I had one person tell me, well, this is, what what makes this unique? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what makes it unique is, is actually built for our culture. You know what I mean? I, I look at certain situations that we have or certain basketball events that we have that just have a, a, an amazing, um, they have an amazing atmosphere of, uh, of of just culture. I look at a, a like something like a Rucker, you know what I mean? Something like a Dykeman. Right. Now even though now even though this is playground basketball, this is still infused with everything that our neighborhoods bring to sports. You know what I mean? So right. now you bring in now you bring an elite level event to 
the HBCU space and you know, people are gonna they're gonna be ready to go crazy in my in my you know, in my personal opinion. As long as it's done with you know, as long as it's done with integrity and it's done with class, you know, I think people are waiting to really be able to get behind something that is of quality and is of that status. Well, and and I applaud that because you have to, boy. It's listen. If we if we took no's and negatives, boy, of all of us, uh, we we were talking about uh, September being self care uh, month. It, we'd be in trouble. So I, I applaud what you're doing. So so with the the, the classic, explain in detail more of what it is. I know the CIAA does this experience where they have the whole and it's like the Super Bowl NBA Finals, this whole experience where fans can get involved and players can get involved. Um, is it, How different uh, will it be from some of those other, um, you know, mainstream, I call them, uh, experiences in games? And, and when are you looking at and and how can people get involved? Well, um, the actual event is going to be in 2023. Uh, we're going to do it at Morehouse College at Forbes Arena. And to answer your question as far as the, how is it going to be, uh, you know, how are we going to bring a different level of, of excitement to the game is, you know, basically just doing what we do. Um, right. It's going to be a home. Uh, it, 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 I would call it, it would be a homecoming times All Star Weekend type of event. You know, we're going to bring in. Uh, you know, we'll have a block party. We're going to have a step show. We're going to have a battle of the bands. Um, you know, we'll have. We actually plan on working with um, some Afrotech. I mean, yeah, Afrotech companies, and. Uh, you know, just allowing them to to test some of their products on a on a very high level, um, allowing them to, you know, set up activations for the kids. We're also going to be doing something with the um, with the neighborhood, the West Side, where we're doing a beautification program or a beautification um, uh, piece. You know, where we'll we'll be looking to, um, you know, maybe decorate a court or, or you know. Re- remodel a court or something like that in the community, um, you know, that just makes people proud. Uh, you know, we're, at, we're also going to have, um, like I was saying earlier, we're going to have a panel um, to be able to give the kids. And I haven't totally figured this part out, but, you know, I, I think we're going to have it to where we open it up and maybe do like a live stream where, you know, uh, kids that attend um, other HBCUs and especially the AUC, um, you know, the Atlanta University Center uh, will be able to have access, as will the players will be able to have access to talk to, um, you know, industry leaders and, and entrepreneurs that are doing big things within the sports industry. Um, and, you know, you can find us on Instagram at um, Bridge Heritage Classic, and you can also find us, in, you know, on the web with uh, richheritageclassic.com. Devin, before you go, I, and I appreciate that, and, and you can give that again if you want before we go, but I, I do have to ask this last question. You know, uh, my son, uh, again, I grew up in Connecticut, so there's no HBCU thing up there at, at all. My son wants to go to an HBCU, and that's it, partly because of the exposure that he gets from me. And 
obviously you would give exposure to these kids and stuff. My next guest covers Tennessee State. So, I mean, the, it's about exposure. And sometimes even in the midst of uh, parents that say, hey, don't go to, you don't need to go to that Negro school. You need to go to the PWI. So, mm-hmm. um, with, with, with that being said, how, how much of the exposure, the verbal or just talking or just being around um, people who have uh, had positive experiences with HBCUs play into these kids, you know, like we said, these, these, um, these uh, top-tier players, whether it be basketball on your field or another sport, say, you know what, instead of going to Texas, I'm going to Texas Southern. From an exposure standpoint, um, you know, that's that's something that we're really going to have to work out, uh, to be honest with you. Um, with the Classic, you know, we'll be, you know, because it's a one-time event, we'll be having, you know, the opportunity to partner with certain streaming companies that, uh, you know, that are big on, in the basketball circuit. But as a whole, um, you know, it's going to be something that, the universities are going to have to do a better job at, um, you know, creating these relationships with, with, um, you know, with these platforms. So, you know, ultimately, ultimately with, um, you know, with the schools, we just have to, we have to do a better job of, of helping them, you know, introducing them and getting them connected with different platforms that can, you know, help stream at a higher level. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that your vision and um, the the fact that, that, you know, you need to make sure we get that information out there uh, in, in modern day times is important. Devin, um, I'm going to have you on again. Again, we'll continue to push this and I do apologize we'll make sure we get your uh, your clothing line on because i know that uh plays into what you're actually uh trying to do but thank you so much man i appreciate you god bless and i'll talk with you um uh, very soon sir thank you so much for having me and you take care thanks man All right. good to have De- devin green of course he's a former hampton star he played in the nba played with the lakers uh, played in uh, different uh, uh, leagues, of course, professionally. Uh, the Rich Heritage Classic will be taking place at Morehouse College in uh, uh, roughly April of 2023. But they have preparations, getting everything together, making sure they uh, uh, work with the HBCUs, making sure they bring these kids in to play in this uh, this black version, I would uh, say, of the McDonald's all-American game. It is the Bassa News Radio Show. Stay tuned. If you've got a clogged up nose, simply stuffy. If you've got a snuffly nose, simply sassy. If the rest of you feel fine, but your nose is out of line, give your schnozzle what it means, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, from the makers of Children's Tylenol. It has only the medicine your child needs to make a stuffy nose simply disappear. If you want to smell a rose, get the stuff out of your nose. If you take a feeling, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy. Use as directed.
back to the show. If you missed any part of the broadcast, you can always go to our website, bachelornews.airtime.pro. The Bachelor, Bachelor with a T, the bachelornews.airtime.pro. You can listen to the rebroadcast of this show and other shows. We also have um, uh, love songs at 8 p.m. Eastern Time called Whisper Softly, uh, Waterfalls with Jazz, uh, which is jazz music and other uh, outlets and other um of course, talk and, and music out there uh, as well. The Bachelor News Pro. I want to bring my guests on that. Uh, Uncle L, uh, Cool J stuff. During uh, the AFC South Sports Awakening dot com, the the Nashville Voice. He is the General Mike Pat. Mike, and I appreciate you coming on as always, bro. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Mike, uh, it looks like that, uh, and you know, I'm a big time Steelers uh, a person. We'll get into uh, predictions and stuff. And um, T.J. Watt, uh, uh, apparently, uh, according to reports, is going to be the highest defensive player uh, in the land of the National Football League. Uh, I've heard a lot of people that talked about Aaron Donald uh, being the best player, and hands down, if if contract be restructured should be the highest paid player in the league. I've even had people say, you know, uh, they'll give it to the white guy, but they won't. They struggle with the black guy. You know, but with TJ, they, you know, with the Steelers or whatever, they, they reluctantly gives him this money. But what do you think about uh, this deal, this contract, and, and if it's worth it, especially because I, I, I love TJ. But Aaron Donald's the best football. <laughs> He's the best defensive player in the game, um, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, definitely he, uh, Aaron Donald, is, is the best defensive player in the NFL. That's that's not even a question. Uh, as far as T.J. Watt, uh, apparently, what happened was his agent, his agents wanted to hold out. They thought they could get more money out of the Steelers, but he actually went against his agent, marched into the office, and said he's ready to sign. So that's a that, that's a story that went behind it. So he, he could have potentially still been holding out by now if it was if it was his agent's decision if he went with their decision. Wow, does he deserve to be the highest paid in your opinion? Highest paid defensive player? Mm, you know, hey, you're you're always worth what they. Uh, what they want to pay you is all I can say. But, you know, in my opinion, is he the best defensive player in the NFL? No, he's not. But, you know, hey, more power to him for getting that money. But I don't think he's the best defensive player in the NFL. No. Yeah, I, I, I got that. I, I agree with you. Um, it, I'm a player's guy in any sport. Get that money. Take care of your family. And, you know, in the NFL, uh, Mike, you understand it better most that you know it's not a lot of guaranteed money and even if it is if it's a hundred million dollars they're gonna give you 30 million guaranteed that 70 million is on a toilet tissue so people don't really understand that they don't get it um before we get to predictions uh concerns not for me because i'm a steelers fan so more injuries um in a in a funny way i'm saying the better uh, but the Ravens have had some injuries with uh, uh, Peters at corner, one of the best, if not arguably one of the top five in the, in the game. Uh, hurt uh, Edwards got hurt with a knee injury. They've been they brought in Leon um, Bell. They uh, brought in some other people. Uh, are you concerned on top of the fact with Lamar 
not here's his brother, and we see a lot of black people out here. It's not a white thing, Mike, as you know. A lot of these black people on and off the field and everyday life don't want to get vaccinated. And for Lamar, I don't think, it, I guess he's a young dude. He wants to camp thing. And I know uh, Matt Jones played well. But this, this, the fact that you don't get vaccinated is going to not only hurt your money, but you're going to hurt your team. So with all of that being said, are you concerned about the, without giving your picks right now, are you concerned about the Ravens with the injuries and the fact that Lamar Jackson refuses to get vaccinated? I'll say this. I'm definitely concerned. I mean, it's his right to not want to get vaccinated. But, I, yeah. you know, like you said, if he, like you said, if the, he definitely doesn't, uh, I mean, if he, if he, you know, comes in close contact with somebody, he's out for the rest of the week. And couldn't miss a game, and that could, you know, eventually be one game that he misses that could cost them playoffs, especially in a uh, pretty tight NFC North. So, you know, that that's something that's very, very concerning. But one injury you didn't mention is uh, the kid that they drafted this year out of uh, Minnesota. He had oh, a right. throwing injury, and the thing is, he was he was probably going to be their best wide receiver. I mean, their more complete, most complete. I mean, because honestly, Sammy Watkins stays injured. And I mean Hollywood Brown, he's a slot guy in my opinion. So, you know, that's a that's an injury that, that really you know, pampers their team as well, along with the additional injuries to running back and um cornerback. But, you know, they did sign Devontae Freeman, they put him on the practice squad and he's probably gonna right. come off of that and be an active running back for them. But it's gonna be interesting, uh, if Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman are their backs. Because if Le'Veon Bell has a flashback Boy, oh boy, that's going to be fun to see. Well, and, you know, he's in the, the right division. I'm sure he wants to at least two times a year, if he plays this year, stick it to that former team in that division. Uh, we'll see. Talking with Mike Patton here on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Um, so, Mike, uh, staying with the COVID thing, uh, you know, there are two teams that are playing at the time of this broadcast in states that have high numbers of rates of people getting sick. So do you think in those two particular teams, that would be Dallas and Tampa at the time of this broadcast, and other places, and you you know, you watch it, you're not just a sport guy, you know what's going on, other states where it's really high, that it's going to really hurt teams in terms of wins and even making a playoffs in certain cases. Cousins, I have no idea why that coach at Zimmer will even keep this guy around. Well, he has no choice but to keep uh, Cousins around because of all the guaranteed money that they're paying. So, right. basically, he takes a huge cap hit. That you know, that I, you know, honestly, I think he would address it if it was maybe a lesser player. Um, but you know, of course, it is what it is, and that's the hand they're dealt. Uh, but as far as uh, Florida and of course uh, Dallas. Uh, definitely it's going to be interesting there, especially with the uh, government power that be <laughs> there they're, they're in both of those states. And, you know, right. not only does Dallas have to, or Texas have to deal with, uh, you know, talking about a guy that doesn't want to do preventative things, but he also wants to uh, basically treat women uh, like they're not human beings. Mm. So, you know, that's a, that's a whole other story about him and uh, that, that government down there in, in Dallas. I mean, excuse me, in Texas in general. 
because uh, you know that's that, and you know I, that right there irritates my soul right there because I have a dog. And, and, you know, and if, uh, for, for those that uh, Mike Patton's talking about the uh, uh, the abortion uh, uh, rule that was passed that the uh, Supreme Court um, up- uphold with Governor Abbott there in Texas. And as Mike said, and I have nieces and sisters and and uh, that uh, restricts uh, some abortion things there. And um, it takes a, a away a lot of women's rights. That's a whole different conversation. In in the midst that people are going to get sick, Mike, it really it's just, right. it makes absolute no sense at the time that people really can get sick. So to to your point, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, it's just uh, it, it's an interesting uh, dynamic, not only but with uh, in Florida, but you got of course Tampa Bay down there too. So you know, I mean not Tampa Bay, but uh, Miami as well. So. I mean, it'll be in Jacksonville, of course, but, you know, it, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, not only with those teams, but just across the nation as uh, rates continue to rise, as people, uh, for, for you know, people don't get vaccinated or don't practice safety precautions. Because one thing I've noticed, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but a lot of times the people that not want to get vaccinated really don't practice the, uh, the uh, well, um, most of most don't really practice any kind of, social distancing or masking or anything of that nature to try to prevent it. Yet. So, you know, right. for, for their yeah. sake, I hope uh, both of those teams are following all the rules, doing the things that they need to do to make sure that they are out there every Sunday for their team and their teammates. But, you know, hopefully they don't, you know, think everything's all good when it really is. I guess the question, though, to, to reiterate is that do you think that um, the lack of vaccination and, and the lack of not necessarily these players following the protocol, but hey, if you're not vaccinated, so if you're vaccinated and you come in, uh, you know, close to someone, you don't have to sit. But if you're, if you're not vaccinated, you have to sit. So do you think that these teams, it'll be more detrimental and more uh, impactful this year? Uh, the NFL and these players and these teams and even some of these playoff teams or potential playoff teams than it was in 2020. Well, it'll definitely be more impactful. And, and not only that, but what if uh, someone that's unvaccinated or, or that, you know, what if someone starts a, starts a, uh, an outbreak on your team, then all of a sudden your team can't play, you forfeit a game, that game costs you the playoffs. So, you know, definitely, uh, it's definitely going to be a lot to watch this year, and you're going to be not only watching our, for injuries, you're going to be watching for is, is my team being hit with COVID. If one player, two player, three player, then you, you know definitely your palms start sweating and you start getting nervous. So it's definitely going to affect a lot of teams this year. Um, I, I think it will, and it'll be interesting just to see how teams combat things, especially uh, I'm talking to the Tennessee Titans as well because, uh, of course, they had a little issue again this season, but, you know, it's getting more under control now, but they had a little issue themselves before the before the season started. A follow up with that, we're talking about Mike Patton. Um, you know, Urban Weiner, I call him, but Urban Mine, uh, uh, Meyer um, <laughs> said, "Hey, my roster cuts had something to do with COVID." He, and he, uh, the player association investigated. I don't know how far it is right now. You can let me know <laughs> if you have an update. And then, of course, Bill Belichick has said had nothing to do with whether they come out, these coaches, and, and 
uh, ownership and uh, management come out and say yes or no. But do you see the NFLPA looking at this? Because it is a player thing, even though, you know, obviously players should get vaccinated from a standpoint of keeping a job and all that. But if you're going to keep them off because of a roster, because of that, that is some form of violation. Do you see um, uh, more of the NFLPA uh, doing an investigation into that? Honestly, I, I think they are going to do an investigation. But the funny thing is, when, when Urban Meyer said that, his team is one of the least vaccinated teams in the NFL. So it's kind of funny that he says that, but his team is the least vaccinated team in the NFL. It, it, you know, but, uh, you know, Jacksonville did come out with a statement afterwards to kind of say, you know, kind of poo-poo what he said. So <laughs> do I think that investigation go anywhere? No. Yeah, but he 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 did come out and try to to backtrack on it to, so he could say the, oh, the that, fine. That's what, that's what Urban does best. <laughs> it's a special. <laughs> um, you know, one I did get a question went back and forth with someone with Sean Watson, and you know mm-hmm. you cover the AFC South not like no other. You know the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. We talked about what went into all the. Allegations uh, that came out like uh, in a, a bunch and all the different things going on. Um, it, it, the, the the conversation I had with someone is he traded at all? If so, early mid season or after season? All right. As far as as far as Deshaun Watson, you know, honestly, it all depends upon his case. Uh, you know, I, I talked to a, a guy yesterday, AJ Jones, that, that actually covers the team, goes to practices and everything. Uh, he he thinks that a team may take a chance on him, sit him out this year, things like that. You know, then again, I did speak to a PR representative, and she's like, nobody will take a chance on him because of all the things hanging over his head right now. So, you know, you have those wild different perspectives that go from one way to the other. Um, but, you know, in my estimation, I don't think he goes anywhere until some kind of decision is made. And, and apparently, uh, just from listening and, and listening to my, my uh, listening to AJ Jones, um, I mean, it could be later on in the season or mid mid season that we find out an answer or we find out a conclusion. Or you know, if not, you know, early mid season probably the earliest I would say. So. If that's the case, then yeah, midseason be the easy, early seed to get traded. But you know, I just I don't I don't see him getting traded into the off season, honestly. But you know, you can keep hope alive if people you know are thinking that he's innocent and that he's get off and, and or that he's innocent. If we prove innocent, and then you know be able to trade him. You know, more power to you in that aspect. But I'm I'm not. You can say he's guilty. I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just letting it all play out. Because if by doing that, most teams will probably do that. He won't. He won't get traded this year. Right. And I, I'm with you. I don't think he plays or or doesn't play or plays a little bit, and then they go different route. But I don't. At the end of the day, um, going into the off season, he will be a Texan uh, at all. And, and it's just it's really it's really a, a difficult situation. He's a great quarterback, I think. Uh, you know, making um, you know uh, 
making grilled cheese out of a piece of bread um, with no offensive line. Now all his receivers are gone, no defense that, that he ever had there. Um, and then all these allegations. And I'm with you. I'm not saying he's innocent at all. I'm just saying it, it is what it is, and, and we'll see. Um, Mike, before we get to division winners, playoffs, people that you think, um, out of the rookie quarterbacks, even the ones that are not starting, but we already see some that will be starting in certain places, um, who do you think will have the best year? Hmm. That's a pretty interesting question. Uh, of course, you see your Zach Wilsons, you see your Trevor Lawrence's, you see your Justin Fields, you see all those different quarterbacks. I'll say this, though. Uh, the guy that's going to have the most opportunity to do well is going to be Trevor Lawrence, and maybe maybe a Zach Wilson. But, you know, the guy that should probably already be starting, the guy that should, in my opinion, get, get the most clock, but we just don't know if he's going to play or, or it should get rookie of the year consideration would be Justin Fields. However, we see what's going on there. So, you know, in my estimation, uh, the offensive, the rookie of the year is going to be between Zach Wilson and between Trevor Lawrence. And more than likely, it'll probably go to Trevor Lawrence. And I would hate that. I, I'm not a, a, a fan of his, uh, the, not on talent or whatever or anything, but just on the, the – Dabo and and Urban Meyer, I, I just I, I just that whole connection. But with you know one being his college coach, one his pro coach, I don't really care for either one of them. But and Zach Williams, uh, Wilson, we'll see uh, as he debuts in Carolina. So um, MVP, who do you think uh, if you had to put a a pinpoint on it right now? All right. Well, you know, as far as the MVP, you know, Mahomes is always going to be uh, in that conversation. So, you know, you can go ahead and put him in there. Um, one guy that's also going to be in the conversation and won the MVP last year, that would be Mr. Aaron Rodgers. So those two will definitely, definitely be in the conversation to, just to begin with those two. Um, now, a lot of people will talk about Russell Wilson potentially, and I can see it, but the thing is he hasn't sustained it over a full year. Sure enough, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off uh, because he doesn't have an offensive line, and eventually that catches up to him because he makes mistakes. So, you know, I want to say Russell Wilson, but I just cannot say Russell Wilson at this time. Uh, So, I mean, I'll go with Aaron Rodgers, and I'll go with Patrick Mahomes at this uh, junction. At this juncture, you're right. Speaking of um, uh, uh, a guy like Russell Wilson, and we'll talk with Mike Patton here on the Bastion News Radio Show. Uh, let's start with the NFC West. Um, uh, the Seahawks, of course, won the division last year with the Rams behind them. The Cardinals took a step back. They struggled late, and, and San Fran with the injuries. Who won that division and why? Which division, I'm sorry? The uh, NFC West. NFC West, hmm. well, it's going to be a tight division, I'll tell you that. Uh, but the one thing I, I look at that division is, is if the 49ers are healthy, they're going to be the team to beat. The question is, can they actually stay healthy? Can Jimmy G actually stay healthy? So, to me, the 49ers will, will be the team to beat. They could win the division, and I, I think they will win the division. However, I will watch out for I mean, the Rams 
definitely, especially if uh, Matthew Stafford can cut out the mistakes. And then, you know, it's just so hard to pick one team from that division because everybody can have a case made for them to win that division. So, but right now I'll go with the 49ers, but I will say that, you know, the Rams are right there. The Rams are yeah, a lot of people right there. A lot of a lot of people are picking the Rams because they have arguably the two best defensive players in the game, and and a lot of people, myself included, um, uh, if if Matthew Stafford can be a Trent Dilfer with this defense, I'm not saying this defense is Raven like that year, but if if he can just not make mistakes, I really think the Rams could be the team to beat in the NFC, let alone the NFC West. Man, honestly, uh, it could go one of two ways in the Rams. It could go great with Matthew Stafford. It could go bad with Matthew Stafford. But one thing that people are not even mentioning when it comes to the Rams, their defensive coordinator is the head coach of the, from last year is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers now. That's right. They're going to miss him at some point. Yeah, and, and I think the coordinator stuff is uh, underrated. You're right. Yeah. Uh, they lose their coordinator. You bring in a new coordinator with a different philosophy, so that might make a difference. Uh, NFC South, you uh, obviously the Saints won that division. Tampa uh, uh, second. They went on to do what they did. Panthers look a little bit more improved, especially defensively. They get McCaffrey back, and the Falcons look like they're bringing up the rear. Who wins the NFC South? Hmm. I think Tampa Bay can still have enough to win the division, but, you know, I think people are sleeping on the Saints, and especially if they get solid quarterback from quarterback play from Jameis Winston. Uh, if they get solid play, quarterback play from him, then I think the Saints could give them a run for their money, especially with some of the defensive young talent they have. Uh, and then plus they just traded for another corner in uh, Roby uh, to pair with Marshawn Lattimore. So they're they're not bad defensively. Uh, that's what people forget about the New Orleans Saints. So right now, I'll say Tampa Bay will win that division, but don't discount the New Orleans Saints. Mm, that's interesting. I that I I thought that you know what they lost on defense was going to hurt them, and then you know Sean Payton waiting to the end to go with uh, Jameis, so it might be an issue. Uh, NFC East, uh, Washington Football Team won that division. The Giants. Uh, New York midgets, I call them when they stink. Uh, the Dallas Cowgirls when they stink, and the Eagles with um, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, who wins that division? As far as that division, I will say that the Cowboys should win that division. Um, it is there for theirs for the taking. They can stay healthy, and if they can actually show up defensively, which I think Dan Quinn will make a difference. Not sure how much of a difference he will make, but he will make a difference. The biggest thing is health for them, and that's mainly as Vander Esch and uh, Jalen Smith at linebacker. Um, you know, Mika, it's a dark horse for that Mika, decision. Mika, Mika Par- Mika, by the way, Mika Parsons looks like a extreme real deal. That dude can tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a real deal. He can make some things happen. Yeah. He definitely can. Um, you know, as far as uh, – the Cowboys, I, I definitely could see them winning that division. However, I will say, and I know this will shock some people when I say this. Uh-oh. I see the New York Giants actually making a little bit of noise this year in that mm. division. Especially with Saquon coming back. Then you've got uh, 
I mean, you've got Galladay, you had a wide receiver. Their defense wasn't terrible last year, especially with Leonard Williams and Blake Martinez. And, you know, you had um, the corner from – you had James Bradbury from Carolina Panthers playing well, too. So, you know, they're not a horrible team. They just need to put it all together like they kind of did for a stretch last season. they can do that, then they could potentially give the NFC East a run for their money. I just think that Daniel Jones has got to show something. I, I know people have been saying that about Tua, but Daniel, he can't. He's a pick six waiting to happen for me. So I, you know, yeah. I, I just if he doesn't if again if he doesn't turn the ball over, I think the defense is good enough. And like you said, Saquon back. They got some receivers. Um, they can in that division they can win, but it, that's a big if. He's just got to show something, man. You know they had Tampa on they had Tampa on the ropes last year on Monday night, and he threw a pick and yeah. So I'll I'll say this about him: Uh, it isn't necessarily about the picks; it's about the fumbles too. The thing is, um, with him, with a a running back back there, it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of him to be the star. Uh, You don't want him to have to go out there and throw it thirty times a game and then win. Uh, if, if he has a running game and play action, those, those passes that he's throwing in tight windows, those windows get a little bit bigger. Uh, so, you know, hopefully for him and hopefully for Jason Garrett and that offensive uh, uh, team there, they're running the football and then throwing the football because you know that uh, Garrett, Garrett uh, for as many people have clowned him as a head coach when he was coaching Dallas, he is a very good offensive coordinator and scheming up there. So that's where I, I think with Saquon back this year, he's going to be able to make a few things happen and help that offense and help Daniel Jones not to <laughs> turn the ball over. He he better. Uh, I want to zoom through a couple of these running uh, uh, on, on out of time, but um, the NFC North, everybody obviously is picking the Packers <clears throat> and the whole the whole drama between Aaron Rodgers and the management. Uh, you got Justin Fields in Chicago. Kirk Cousins doesn't belong on anybody's roster, but I get what you're saying. And the Lions are going to be the Lions. So who who picks uh who you pick in the North? Oh, definitely the Packers. I mean, the Vikings might have a chance if they get the solid running game again, and the defense, you know, kind of goes back to their 2019 form. But it's the Pack Packers division wins. Yeah. And- South, you covered them, the Titans, Colts, Texans, Jaguars. The last two, obviously, will bring up the rare. Uh, you know, I've never been a Carson Wentz guy, so I, I think it's the Titans to lose. What's your thoughts? Well, honestly, I had the Colts one in this division at first, uh, especially with the defense uh, coming back intact and, you know, a top five defense. Uh, however, you know, Carson Wentz quickly reminded me why I cannot trust the Colts. He got injured already. So, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely go with the Titans winning this division. And then when you look at the um, AFC East, a lot of people have the Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, a lot of people have, have the Dolphins taking a step back. Um, uh, some people say the Patriots are back in the playoffs and the Jets will still be the Jets. Who wins the AFC East? The AFC East, uh, I'll say that the uh, hmm, Buffalo will win that division. I'll give Buffalo that. Um, as far as 
as far as the uh, potential, you know, somebody to knock them off their perch, I'll give it to Miami. I'm not sure I want to give it to New England just yet. I got to see more in the matchup. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, people have been complaining or not complaining about wondering about Tua if he can do it. He's got more weapons and see. We'll see what happens. AFC West. One of my sons, a big Chiefs fan, dis- disappointed they lost um, to um, that guy and that team. Um, the Raiders get split with them last year. The Chargers are supposed to be better offensively. You mentioned a coach coming there to give them defense. And Denver might have the best defense, if if not in that division, in all of the AFC and the NFL. Uh, so, again, uh, is it the Chiefs to lose? That definitely is the Chiefs Invitational. Uh, but I will say the Chargers will make it interesting. Yeah, I think the Chargers will, too. I think they'll be a lot with Herbert doing what he did. And I say my sorry Steelers for last, the AFC North. Um, and Cleveland, one of those teams, people are saying, hey, they can make the Super Bowl. The Ravens are the Ravens, even with their injuries. Bengals, I don't think, did enough on, on offense in terms of protecting this quarterback. And Pittsburgh's going to go as far as Ben Roethlisberger goes and its receiving core. So who wins the AFC North? I'll say this. And, uh, you know, Cleveland fans, don't say I jinxed y'all. But I got Cleveland winning this division. Uh, you know, Cleveland's the more solid team in this division on offense and defense. I mean, look at it. You've got um, you got Miles Garrett on one side, and you got Davion Clowney being the off guy. Usually, he's the guy that everybody's looking at, but now he's the guy that gets to play off of somebody. So he should have ten sacks easily this year. He should, I and mean, that's what I said, should not would. But um, yeah, definitely, I'll go with Cleveland to win this division. Uh, I mean, I just see them as the most solid team. Yeah, and then you ain't mentioned on on the offensive side, Nick Chubb and. All the wide receivers, right. Landry, and all those guys. I mean, that that they they really do have a lot of balance. Uh, quickly, wild cards in the AFC uh, that you can off the uh, off the top of your head. Wild card teams. Oh, uh, let's see. I'll say this. Uh, I'll give it to New England. I'll give it to New England. I figure out some somehow some way they'll figure out how to get it done in the AFC. I can't give it to Miami yet for some reason. I just can't do it. Um, I'll go with the Chargers, and let's see who else can I go with there. I'll go with the Colts. So I give uh, I give those three as my uh, my uh, wild card picks. I can see I can see the first two. I'm not sure about the Colts. What about the NFC? NFC. Let's see. I'll go with well, at least there's going to be at least one NFC West team that makes it that doesn't win the division. So I'll go with uh, I'll say the Rams for right now, but you know that could change daily with that division. Um, let's see, as far as the there won't be any other NFC. Won't be I'm any. Go with, uh, in the NFC East, there won't be but one team from out of that. So. Um, I'll go with uh, – I'll tell you what, I'll go with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and I'll go with uh, – well, I'll go with the New Orleans Saints. So there you go. I'll go with them, those three teams. I'll, I'll say the, the NC West will get three teams this year. Wow. So you're going to get uh, 
uh, 49ers, um, the Rams, and who was the other team in the uh, the West? Seahawks. Seahawks, right. I mean, you and, can't and then, our boy, then our boy gets fired. Then our boy gets fired out there. That'll, that'll be what happened with the, with the guy out in, uh, in Arizona. But, you know, and, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you, you don't have to count on, don't ever count on Russell Wilson and what he's going to do. So I'm with you in agreement. I like your AFC pick. I mean, NFC picks. Oh, like I said, I, I think the Rams win the division. The 49ers are a wild card team. That's the only difference there in the AFC. I agree with you. Um, and about 90%. Except for the Colts. Cold. Everything else, I, I, I do. I like, I think the Browns win the division. I think Buffalo. And um, the only other thing is maybe Miami, I still think, may may sneak in as a playoff team. But we'll we'll see what happens. Mike, be, um, before you go, uh, last thing is Cam Dunn. And, you know, Mac Jones certainly played well. But Cam didn't help himself, just like Kirk Cousins, just like Lamar uh, in Baltimore, not getting vac- vaccinated. It's your right not to, but if you want to earn some money and Cam is no spring chicken, you know, you need to do all everything right. Uh, not per- be perfect, but follow everything right so you could be on a roster. Is he done or do you see him on a team and who do you see him with? A lot of been. A lot has been talked about Dallas, but I don't see that either. Well, I'll say this. Uh, at this point, it's going to be probably a few weeks into the season, probably not to watch and see who quarterback, what quarterbacks get injured and, you know, what backups just aren't up to snuff, basically, if they have to step into the game. Um, as far as a team going to, I mean, at first I would say the Washington football team, but can't definitely say that one anymore. So, hmm. Huh kind of interested to look and see I, honestly I don't you know it, it, it I, I couldn't get, honestly give you a team right now to be honest I honestly couldn't I mean you can make a case for a lot of different teams but you know heck you can make a case for the Houston Texans but they're not but winning he anything met, he, with him added <laughs> yeah but he, he messed up though I mean I'm not saying Matt Jones didn't play well but this, this whole thing with him like you know he had a divided audience up there in terms of fans and and uh, uh, the coaching staff and stuff up there anyway. So you don't add insult to injury. You're, you know, you're not Matt Jones. You're not a rookie coming in the league. You're a veteran quarterback. So you want to do the right thing. You're not in a position like Lamar is where my backup is not going to pass me. So that's that's the issue I have with Cam. Understandable, understandable, but hey, you know, he, he, he did what he felt what he, he wanted to do, and, you know, with that comes uh, some good things and some bad things, and, you know, it is what it is. Mm. Well, we will see, and I, uh, 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 by the way, all your um, picks are on record, so we'll play those back uh, to see <laughs> how close you are. Mike, before you go, let people know how to follow you and watch you and and read your stuff, sir. Well, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at MikePatton82. That's Mike Patton. It's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-T-O-N-82. Of course, you can, uh, the YouTube page, Touring the AFC South. Uh, all the interviews that I've done, they're pretty much there. It's Touring the AFC South. Of course, you know, you can catch the podcast version on all listening platforms. You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, places like that. And then, of course, you can catch me on the Nashville Voice uh, um, 
you know, you can catch me at the uh, Tennessee Tribune as well as other different places. Uh, and also, uh, I, it looks like I may be able to cover the Jackson State versus Tennessee State game this Saturday, potentially. May potentially be there this Saturday, covering that hey, game hey, immediately. I, I do have to ask you, um, Deion versus, um, uh, uh, what's his name for, uh, uh, God, his name is Gabe, you know what I'm talking about. Played Ohio State and uh, played for the uh, the Oilers and the and the Titans and uh, Come on, Eddie George. So in that battle, um, in that mm-hmm. game, in that space, who wins that game? You think? Honestly, I would say uh, Jackson Jackson State is definitely the more polished team in terms of defensively, uh, in terms of the players and the ability of the players. Um, as far as uh, offensively, of course, they do have the better quarterback play because they have one quarterback instead of the three that Tennessee State played the first game. They commit less penalties. I think Jackson State has the upper hand in this game. However, if Devon Starling from Tennessee State gets touches, watch out for Tennessee State because that guy's one of the backs to watch in HBCU football. Yeah, pretty electrifying and and what he does. You're you're right about that. He is. Anytime he touches, uh, you expect something big with him. It should be really interesting. Like I, as always, sir, I appreciate your time, man. Your predictions, like I said, we're going to play them back. That'll be the good, bad, of <laughs> And we'll go from there. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Right. I appreciate you as well. All right. Mike Patton, always good to have him on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. <laughs>
Welcome back to the show. I'm going to go to Gerald Hoover. Uh, Gerald Hoover is a best-selling author and uh, uh, certainly uh, does a, a phenomenal job. His My Hero series, and we'll talk about that. But uh, who I wanted to touch base with you and ask you in this COVID-19. There's two things going on. We'll start with the education side. As you're a professor, you're an author uh, of those series. You talk about um, not only bullying and mentoring, but education. I mean, being able to spell, being able to write a check. I mean, even if you don't write checks, to learn how to, to write, signature, things of that nature, the basic things. You know, kids don't even know their home keys. Remember when we were kids, we had the type, mm-hmm. we knew the home key and all that. But right now mm-hmm. in this, this COVID-19, and we're short on time, so I want you to really get into it. What are the pluses and minuses on online schooling? I, in the beginning, my kids were like, you know what? Yeah, this is cool. We get to do it. But now they're getting bored and they want to be around their friends. So socially it's different. But from an education learning standpoint, especially with black and brown uh, kids who are uh, not only a disadvantage in some cases in neighborhoods, the books and all of those things. What's the pluses and minuses of learning online? Well, I'm going to go with more of the, well, I, it ain't to me the pluses to me. Uh, um, I think it's more of the pluses that there's something happening as opposed to just being shut down and there's nothing happening at all. So at least there's something tangible that's being used. You know what I mean? Um, can it work? Yeah, I mean, it can. But I, but like you just mentioned, that social uh, uh if it, the, the social part of it is part of the the, 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 uh, the dynamic of being able to know how to get along with, with your teammates. Uh, um, uh, I call them teammates with classmates, uh, knowing how to function as opposed to everything being robotic, pressing a button. And, and that's the one thing I fear, L.A., is that with my, with my book, I have a curriculum, and my curriculum is a full-charge curriculum where there's a lot of writing involved. And that's by design because, you know, studies show that your memory is enhanced by writing things down. Also, you use a certain part of the brain when you're writing, as opposed to just touching a button. A button, you use a certain part of the brain when you're reading, as opposed to just things being sent to you digitally. And I think that's the where that's where that's, we're going to have a problem. Uh, again, the plus is that we're doing something, you know, so better nothing. But the, the the minuses are a lot. It's, it's a, and like you said, the, the, your, your, your young men are getting bored. Um, it's a lot. And then what happens is the kids are so inundated with these video games. You know, everything is digitized, you know what I mean? So they could be playing Fortnite for four or five hours. Now, all of a sudden, you're slowing the pace. Now you're trying to tell them to teach. Now you're trying to tell them to learn that way. It's a lot. So so they have to reprogram themselves on even how to learn as opposed to being away from the computer, you know, instead of being away from the computer and being instructed by a teacher or some sort in the front, in front of them, where she's able to, she, he or she's able to do things live, you know, and in person, so to speak, and sort of uh, have the um, option of learning things on the fly as well, doing things on the fly. You really can't do things too much like that when you're online. You have to, you know, you have to kind of robot yourself a little bit as well. So, but again, pluses is that they're doing something, minuses are a lot. And, and what I fear is that our children won't get the benefit of really being promoted in a proper manner, meaning earning the promotion. Because right now, you really can't fail a kid. I mean, you can't. I mean, how can you? You know, I mean, how do you fail a kid that 
that uh, parents may be suffering from COVID, and you know, what I mean, they and, and, themselves might have had it. And who? That's that's a really a great point because uh, if you have a marginal kid, a kid that's been struggling, um, it, it, it's probably not doing a great service for that child if you pass them because of the situation and the climate we are in. And even before mm-hmm. this, speak to because I think we had this conversation before about uh, using. You know, I, I'm, I have a real issue with kids using calculators for math. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and not mm-hmm. counting, not writing things out. Like you said, I tell my kids all the time, write it mm-hmm. down, take notes. I, they can go into my studio, my, my, my office, and see nothing but notes. And I try to tell them, not only mm-hmm. take good notes, but make sure you have organized notes. So when you come back to it, mm-hmm. you know what it is. You put your name, date, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and some, mm-hmm. I, I see some of the kids that don't do that, but I get, I have a real issue when they use sort of these electronic things or things mm-hmm. that take away from counting and reading and all of these things, mm-hmm. audio and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you an analogy because I, I know you'll, you'll catch it. Well, I'm going to give you a saying. I'm going to give you an analogy. You know that, that was saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So we, so we understand that part. But now, picture a person. That's a couch potato, straight up couch potato, remote in his hand, and beer in the other hand, eating chips, doing this for years, watching TV, you know, the shape got different, what have you. Then you say, okay, I want you to get in shape, the best shape of your life within three weeks. But tonight we're going to start off with you running five miles. That person wouldn't. That person wouldn't walk good four blocks. I mean, five blocks really good. Without him, like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. And that's the same thing that's happening with our babies' brains because they're not using that part of the brain, like you just mentioned. The all you're doing is pressing the button. You're not trying to figure things out in your head. You know what I mean? So you're not you're not exercising that part of the brain. And we know the brain is an organ, but it acts as a muscle. You might as well call it a muscle because it acts just like a muscle. But if you don't use certain things to critically think, uh, conceptualize things, figure things out in your head, ponder over stuff, if you don't use that kind of that part of the brain, when it's time to use it, you please I mean, think of how many people. I guarantee you, at your audience, if you ask them, if you have read a book, in the, if you have, if you ask them if they have read a book or a long article in a long time, and they if they're gonna do it before they go to sleep, and say read the article, I guarantee you they fall asleep before they do it. Because that brain ain't ain't being used, so now you're gonna tell me read all this, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? At, within a certain period of time, that brain is over, it's, it gets overloaded, and then all of a sudden it starts to shut down because you have to build it, you have to build it back up. And so this is what's happening in LA with too many with too many of our children because they're so used to pressing buttons, pressing buttons, pressing buttons from video games to learning that when you tell them to do certain things, either they can't do it, they don't want to do it, or they don't know how to do it. So guess what? It's not done. And my fear, I mean, I'm saying as I'm saying as a my, my my son is 29 years old, so I'm not, I'm I'm not a concerned parent for him, but I'm concerned parent for others. Because as an educator, every child that comes into your classroom or any class, any 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 of me when I go to schools, those children become my children, and I say it openly. I'm like for for the for the time being, I'm here. You belong to me, That's right. and I treat them as they're my children. And so my fear is that. Because they took penmanship out of schools, you know, so these, these kids don't know how to write cursively, nor can they read it. 
So, so I'll, I'll use the word script. They, not, not only can they not read the script, they can't, I mean, they can't write it. So they can't read it. So now you're telling the 18-year-old, 19-year-old, go register to do this, sign this application, go do this, and they say sign your name. He's writing in print. He's or she writing in print. And to be or not, the way they write, they're not even writing online. I mean, in other words, you, you tell the kid to write in print on the line, they're writing in between the line. I mean, they're, writing, I mean, they, they're putting their name, like, uh, they're writing across the line because they don't have a concept of writing, bro. That is, like, scary. Yeah. And that's happening worse for our black and brown babies than it is for other other children because other children, they, they the ones that have the means to it, they're being taught how to write and script. Sure. So now, so education system, it seems, they seem to have put that on the parents, which is not fair. Not, no, 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 when I say fair, because that's a basic requirement, writing. You know what I mean? That, that, should, that should be something that should be uh, uh, cataloged in schools to, on, 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 and, and, and should be progressed in school because L.A., that's how we learn. You know what I mean? Our time tables, we did that in school. Right. Our, our writing, our penmanship, you know, writing between the lines, our tracing. You know what I mean? We did that. We did that in school because although, it was part of our curriculum. Although I write like a doctor without the money, but I mean, sign. Like hey, no, no, hey, 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 me too. <laughs> hey, hey, here's the funny thing: me too, and I'm ambidextrous with it. I can write with both hands, left hand, right hand. I can do both, and I can write equally sloppy. So we're in the same boat. Yeah. I get that, but at the end of the day, my friend, we can read that, we, well, and we can read some other sla- and we can read some other sloppy handwriting too, because right. we're accustomed to doing it. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, but, but again, our babies aren't getting that privilege, and with, and with that, they're gonna lose so much in this fake, illusion-filled digital-based world right. because it's, it's really an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion, bro. It's yeah. an illusion. Talk these with these the, smartphones have made, made us dumb. Talking with uh, Gerald Hoover, best-selling author of My Friend, My Hero, a book targeting young black and brown boys ages 12 up and up here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM, Chapel Hill, and Carborough, uh, uh North Carolina. And we'll get to the, the book series and info there. Um, really sort of the final uh, phase, and I know you said there's the positives because they're doing something. But, again, um, the concern I have is that even before the virus, even before they had to go online, and some are going back to school in certain places, and, I mean, you can get into if it's safe or not. That's a whole different discussion for another day. Um, but the fact is that, you know, it, kids, even before the virus, and I, and I have to, again, I challenge mine all the time, um, it, it, They work is not, it, I wouldn't say it was necessarily fun for us, but, mm-hmm. you know, we knew we had to do that, and we knew at the end of the day it was going to make us better. Even sometimes we mm-hmm. didn't feel like going to school. I tried to play hooky. My mother found out all the time, but I had to do what I had mm-hmm. to do. And it didn't seem mm-hmm. as forced on us as it is with kids. Kids are like, okay, if you, you do this, you can play this, or you can go outside. And they push and they zoom in through it. But at the same time, you want to tell them, no, take your time. Because a lot of teachers say, take your time, read the, read the questions, you know, when you're taking the test. And it seems like these kids, our kids, are trying to zoom through a lot of the, the work, and they don't seem to get it. It's more robotic than... Mm-hmm consumption and understanding and comprehending it. You, you, you buy mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that's the fear. And, 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 and matter of fact, you said it 
eloquently, but you basically repeated what I was saying and what I said. When, these, when our babies get a certain age, they're not going to be able to function other than doing what they've known. It's almost like putting a, you know, you know, they put the uh, blinds on horses, run that straight, run a straight line. They won't know how to do anything else. But oh, it's not, it's not set in stone this way. They won't be able to do it. And that's where too many of our child, children are going to fail. That's where they're going to fail because they won't have options on how to do things any other way. And that's going that, and that's a criminal act, if you ask me. It's a criminal act. It's written because, when I, and, and that's why I said fake, illusional, filled world, because you'll say, oh, no, he got a so-and-so on his test. But, yeah, he was pressing a button that you helped him press because you're trying to get that funding because the state mandated so-and-so, so-and-so, which the state has no, they have no clue what's going on on the ground. They're a bunch of bean counters and doing whatever they're doing. They have no clue or concept of what is done on the educational level. None. Because if they did, or if their children was in the belly of the beast, they wouldn't have that kind of they wouldn't have that kind of outlook. And just to interrupt too, if they if our kids aren't learning, again, post uh, pre and post COVID nineteen, they're ready to uh-huh. put them ready to put them on meds. You know, Ritalin and whatever, oh it's whatever, man. Um, and, 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 that's an and, 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 and bro, in LA, I was, I believe it or not, pre-COVID. And matter of fact, you, we've been discussing about my book before COVID. Pre-COVID, well, I started my curriculum two years ago. I mean, like getting it in stone. So I, I so I'm, I'm well ahead of the COVID part. I was yelling and screaming about in 25 years if we're not careful that we're gonna have an educational apocalypse. I was saying this. For about two years now. Now it's probably going to be closer than that because we're going to lose two and a half years. Okay, this way. For every child I was already behind, tack on two more years. They don't go. They're not going to fail a kid. They're going to promote them socially. But think about the average tenth grader that's ready for college, getting ready for college in two years. They're going to be functioning on a sixth grade reading level. Or sixth grade, great sixth grade work level. So, so that so, means when they graduate high school and, and graduate to go to college, they're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna be a, very, a real challenge. So real, real quick, because we're running out of time, um, what would be some of the solutions you have, you know, right now with COVID and, and moving forward? And please do uh, let people know how they can get my friend, my hero, talk about the book and, and where they can find it. Sure. Well, I, I'll, I'll do that first because it's fresh in my head. Uh, my, my website is called the Hero Book Series, right? TheHeroBookSeries.com. Um, for those that are educators or they want to uh, do some homeschool and help, help them enhance, you can order my book, and I will even let you know how to get the curriculum to go with it. Now, the curriculum uh, it has a study a study guide, which you have to write, read, uh, do some uh, uh, research, and learn how to do words, how to put words together, context clues. I mean, it, it, it was the same thing you, you would, would happen in the school. Also have a teacher's edition to where you have the answers. So for you parents that have young children, okay, Johnny, do this, do this, do this. You as a parent, whether you've been to school lately or not, it's okay. You have the teacher's guide. You have the answers. To the sentences, you have the answers. The, the, the multiple choice stuff, you have, the, you have all the answers. I even have a pretest. But you can say, here, Johnny, take this and let me see how you can do with that. Then I have what's called a unit assessment. And I have answers for that as well. So you have a student success guide, you have a teacher's edition, and you have a unit assessment. So you have all those and you're good. What I would suggest, put a physical book in your child's hand. E-learning is fine. I, my book is on tape now. It's coming out in about a month. 
I even have ebooks, which okay, I, I'm not really for them, but I know people. I don't want to read it like that. That's fine. But put a physical book in your hand. The five senses that we're blessed with are given to us for a reason. Putting a physical book in your hand speaks volumes to the mental, soul, mind, and body. There's a lot of and go on YouTube and research. Touch uh, how the effects are of touching a book. Google that. T- touch it. Touching a book. Wow. How you start that your knowledge starts to your your knowledge starts LA with just touching the book. It's powerful. I I, I just saw that I just saw something like that the other day. And it's funny because I've been thinking about it. Because you know cause, you know I give you an example. Let me let me say something really quick. I'm gonna show you time. In the in the, in the Bible. I'm, I'm sorry. In, in church, people have told me. I'm not, I remember old ministers were telling me. I would say, well, Elder so and so, what do I learn? What do I read in the Bible? What should, what should I do? They, they, you know they would tell me. Say a prayer. Put your hand on top of the Bible and just open it. Meaning I heard that meaning, before. You'll find it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, Ella, Ella, You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. There was something powerful about putting your mind right with it, coming becoming one with the story that you're about to read and then opening the book deep with that's deep and, and so we keep giving these books these, 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 these digital books and everything you ain't helping these kids put a book in your hand put a physical book the five senses are, are given to us for a reason that's and if right. you dummy us out with that we ain't gonna have them buddy we're gonna be ro- people are gonna be robots that's right it's not gonna work for us yeah it's not, not gonna work for us bro and the learning is, is robotic at this point because of that come on man yeah, you're right come you're on, absolutely man. right come on, man. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're gonna, we can't afford that, bro. We can't. We can't. And you talk about apocalypse. Oh, my God. You, you, on, being, you, you get your Negro Domus points because you have been talking about this for quite some time. So uh, I know that for a fact. Hoove, I love you, man. Appreciate you. Be safe. Uh, I'll talk too, with you very, very soon. We'll get you on next week and talk some you. more about this, okay? My pleasure, my brother. Take Be care. Safe, man. All right, man.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.